Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, and a good Tuesday morning. The sun did come up today. Everybody's still a little bummed over the weekend and about the game on Sunday. We welcome you, as always, to Off the Bench. Presented by United Dairy Farmers, I'm Tom Brenneman. As you probably know, but some may not, we come your way 10 to noon Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. You can find us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We always ask, please, if you're able to subscribe to the program. And we also stream on Facebook. That's the Chatterbox Sports page. Flip the notification switch on if you can. If you prefer to join us in podcast form, so be it. Search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Zach Taylor was clearly still stung by Sunday's AFC Championship loss to Kansas City. But he was very upbeat yesterday. I went back and watched the entire thing. He was upbeat about the just-completed season, the 10-game win streak, and especially about the future of the team and the franchise. He noted he started exit interviews with players. Those will continue today, and it's something he regularly does at the end of every season, but especially for those players with pending free agency. He wouldn't get into any specifics as to who might stay, who might go, but that those decisions are already on the front burner. Meanwhile, linebacker Jermaine Pratt expressed contrition for his reaction to Joseph Osai's penalty. That video went viral after Sunday's loss. He said a man has to admit when he's made a mistake and when he's wrong. He said he was wrong and wasn't a good teammate in that moment. He added that he wants to be back with the Bengals next year. He's a free agent. The NFL salary cap will be a record $224.8 million per club next season. That's nearly $17 million more from this year and almost $43 million more per team than the COVID season of 2021. Kellen Moore was let go as offensive coordinator two days ago in Dallas, but never hit the unemployment line. He was swooped up immediately for that same position for the L.A. Chargers. Apparently, he's good enough for Justin Herbert, but not Dak Prescott. Maybe it's just not good enough for Jerry Jones. College Hoops, UC and Xavier back at it tomorrow. UC at home against Tulsa. The Muskies are hosting Providence. Those two teams, along with Marquette, share the lead atop the Big East Conference standings. Last night, a big one deep in the heart of Texas. Number 11, Baylor, traveled down to number 10, Austin. And the Longhorns come away with a five-point win to go to 18-4 on the year. Texas leads the powerful Big 12 Conference by half a game over Kansas State, who takes on Kansas in Lawrence tonight. And, of course, our entire um, office, it seems like, will be at that game tonight in Lawrence. Also tonight, Dayton hosts Loyola Chicago, Miami hosts Toledo, and Ohio University plays at Eastern Michigan. All right, lots in the chat already today. And the first thing, fellas, everybody's talking about, Paul, you pointed it out to me. Welcome back, Paul Fritzner, and welcome back, Brandon Singo. Yay, we made it. Woo! How was your trip to Kansas City? It was a fun trip, not a fun ending. Um... Still just kind of soaking it in and uh, figuring out what the hell happened there. But it was a good time. Fun game. I, I have some passionate 
thoughts about the Bengalis. All right, well, we're going to get into them because we have Paul Doherty coming up, and that's not till 11. And then Tracy Jones, of course, as he joins us every Tuesday and Thursday at 1130. I want to start with uh, the main topic in the chat right out of the gate. Paul, you brought this to my attention today. I did not see it. Apparently, Gene Steratore, the former head of officials in the National Football League, he traded in that job to become the analyst uh, for the number one team with CBS. He was in the booth for Sunday's game and apparently has done some kind of interview today talking about at least one, if not more, of the calls. Paul Pritchner. Yeah, he did. He, he went on the air. He went on a podcast. I don't know what podcast it was. I hadn't heard of it, but he went on to a podcast. I think it was Maggie and Perloff is what it looks like. It's okay. a CBS Sports Radio show. Uh, and he talked about the last play of the game, and he basically, in his eyes, confirmed that there was a hold all over the place. The one he talked about was B.J. Hill, but there were holds all over the place on that last play. And part of me really hates hearing this because the game's already over. I don't even want to know. I don't. I, there's nothing that this helps except maybe making yourself feel better that you're going back and realizing that, oh, I mean, they did make a mistake. My eyes didn't lie to me. I'm not seeing things. But I hate hearing this personally. I don't need to know that the refs made a mistake and potentially cost the Bengals a game. I don't need to know that. That's just me, though. You know, it's one of those debates. And, uh, Paul, your experience, certainly in basketball, you know, you, you hear this all the time about officials swallowing the whistle in the final minute. 30 seconds, 15 seconds, whatever it might be, that fouls up until that point in time that are called are frequently not called. Now, you know, let, let's be honest about it. I mean, how you feel about that strictly comes down to how you feel about which team's on the field and who you're rooting for, yeah. right? So like in basketball, if all of a sudden during the entire game some guy takes a jump shot on the wing – and he gets tapped on the elbow with 10 seconds left in the game. If you're the team with the guy that's shooting, you want the foul to be called, right? If you're the defender there, you're like, okay, you know, the official swallowed the whistle. I've always been of the opinion, if it's a foul in the first minute, it's a foul in the last minute. But it doesn't seem like that's normally the case in a lot of these games. And I just don't know how with the frequency that we see of holding in the National Football League. And look, there are people that will tell you. We've all heard this before. There are people that will tell you that if you wanted to call holding on every single play, you probably could. Right. Yeah. But when it comes down to arguably the most important play of the game, and, and the most important play of the game could come with seven minutes left. But in this case, it's down under a minute. And I just don't know how you miss Apparently, there was more than one, according to a lot of Bengals fans. It was not only B.J. Hill, but they felt that Trey Hendrickson was held on the play as well. And I don't know how you miss one, if not two, on the same play. Yeah, it was brutal. It was brutal. And to your point about swallowing the whistle, a lot of times when you get to the end of a game, you just think to yourself, like you said, if it's a foul in the first minute, is it a foul at the end of the game? Well, I don't know. But... If it's not egregious, don't call it. But if it is, and it's clear and obvious, you got to make the call. And it seemed like there was not one, maybe not two, but maybe three of those on the last play. But, Brandon, what were your thoughts? My thoughts are that it should not have come down to that. You have the ball tied at 20, 
three times in the fourth quarter. Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense had every chance to win the game. And that's, as biased as I am, that's what it comes down to. You want Joe Burrow to have the ball in his hands. I will admit, like everyone else, the refs had a bad day. But you cannot put the game on the officiating. The Bengals still had a chance. And I'm not going to knock Joseph Osai. That's that's a heat of the moment. Trying to make a hustle play. Yep. Touches him out of bounds. I feel terrible seeing those shots of him after the game. And I love B.J. Hill doing that post-game presser with him, answering the questions and, and defending his teammate. But the Bengals made made mistakes. And the Bengals had chances to win the game. And that's what, that's what stinks. Because they had real shots to win this game. It was tied at 20. They had the ball three times in the final 10 minutes and, and couldn't score. Hmm. Well, th- th- there's a lot to dissect here. You know, let's start with this. Because, you know, we got into some of the officiating. We got into the, the play calling there yesterday, uh, which I just still, you, know, you go back and watch it again, and you're just like, I don't get it. The second and three, trying to throw the ball 25 yards down the field. Third and three, 40 yards down the field. I mean, your chances of completing that pass are less than 5%. And they already used up one of those earlier in the game on that bomb to chase inside the five. But, and then the punt, right? We got into a lot of that yesterday. But, you know, the bottom line is, if you broke it all down and you said, okay, if there was one single reason or one single thing that you could point to that was the difference in that game between winning and losing, it comes down to the fact that of the final four teams that were playing this weekend, okay, Philly, San Francisco, Kansas City, and the Bengals, the Bengals were the only team still standing that does not have a dominant pass rushing player. Now, whether that comes from the interior like Chris Jones or on the outside like you see with Philly and San Francisco, um, you know, they, they, they don't have it. Now, Hendrickson was really good his first two years here. I know he played through a broken wrist, but he was a non-factor during the entire playoff run. He had no influence on the game whatsoever. None. And that's unacceptable. Sam Hubbard is not known as a pass-rushing defender. He'll pick up a handful of sacks over the course of the year, but that, you know, he does a lot of other things very well. That's not his forte. Reader is a presence in the middle, especially in the run game. Osai looks like he has a chance to develop into that kind of a player, and they're hoping some of the other younger guys do. But when you just look at that and you say to yourself, if there's an area of need in this team, and we'll get into a lot of these things moving forward over the next number of weeks as we lead up to the draft, free agency, who comes and who goes, they don't have it. So you say to yourself, okay, do you go out and spend a ton of money if there is somebody out there that's a dynamic, dominant, and you're going to pay through the nose if you do it? But they were $44 million under the cap looking ahead right now to next season. Do you go out and get a dominant pass rushing defensive lineman slash linebacker? Or are you going to have to repatch that offensive line again? You know you're going to have Karras back. You know you're going to have Kappa back. You know you're going to have Volson back. You know that Carmen 
and Adeniji are going to be back. I'm not so sure about Lyle Collins. I mean, that's a long recovery from a torn ACL, and he did it very late in the year. Now, a lot of these guys are coming back in record time, but for a man that weighs 300 and something pounds, that's a bigger challenge than a guy who weighs 180. So if you guys were sitting at the Bengals' offices right now, and we're going to get into a lot of this kind of stuff about you know Burroughs' contract and, and much is made of that, but if you had to go out and spend on either one, if it was an either-or proposition, maybe they can do both, maybe they can do neither, but if you had to go do one or the other, what would you do? Because you're not going to get that guy more than likely, could be wrong, you're not going to get that guy in the first round of the draft considering where they're going to be drafted. I'm going to say offensive line because I don't care how much depth you had. You saw that. If, you, if there's no injuries to that offensive line, I, I truly believe the Bengals win that game. I mean, we've seen it. If you look back at the Super Bowl, that final play, Jalen Ramsey fell down, Burroughs getting rocked. We knew the offensive line was bad last year. But then the offensive line this year, in this game, I should say, dinged up, playing the best they can. But that's the constant, the, the, offen the offensive line. I mean, that's, I, I think the Bengals are, are, are fine on defense, fine on defense. You know, you always take you know, an improvement if you can get it. But I, I think, would you, like more, uh, would you like more sacks or more pressure? Yeah, I was saying that the whole first half as Mahomes was able to get away from everything with a bummed ankle or supposed to be a bummed ankle. But I just I, – I think Hubbard, Hendrickson, Reeder, and the depth they have there is good enough. I'm more worried about Burrow having a chance to win the game and having time to throw the ball. Yeah, I agree. It's a tough spot when you when you can't give your best player, when you can't give the guy that you're going to pay all the money to, when you can't give your dynamic playmaker the ability to make plays. And that's what Burrow's been lacking. He just doesn't have the time to go out there and do what the Bengals drafted him to do, and that's to go out there and win you a ball game. And you couldn't do that on Sunday because he didn't have the time to do it. And the sacks went down in the second half because they you know, changed things up and tried to figure it out, tried to, you know, make peace with it in the second half but even still I, I i saw it last night on twitter crazy between last year in the super bowl and the sack on sunday night both sacks happened with 39 seconds left in the game both sacks happened in the exact same spot in the game 39 seconds to go in the game both sacks to essentially end the bengals season happen at the same point not just the way they happen but even at the same time of the game, it's just it's just brutal. Look, I get the offensive line thing. I think you've got some uh, clearly some depth there. You know, Collins. It's hard to imagine he's going to come back. I, I could be totally wrong on that. But they're going to take some kind of a hit on the cap if they release him. It might be minimal, but it's going to be something because he was signed to longer than a one-year deal. Now, Jonah Williams, he's going to come back. Would you move him over to right tackle? Would you take your chances with Carmen being a permanent left tackle? Now, to be fair, Chris Jones, and we talked about it last week, before Sunday's game, he had played in 14 postseason games and never had a single sack, not one. 
and that includes three games against the Bengals, two of which were against that offensive line last year that had a hard time protecting Joe Burrow. Miserable time. But Jones didn't get to him, and they didn't get to him when they had a healthy offensive line when they met during the regular season. So you can make the argument that that group that was here before all the injuries, if you brought them back intact, that was the group you felt was going to be very strong at the beginning of the year. And once they got going after those first two games, they proved to be a solid offensive line. Maybe not the best in the league, but they were very good protecting Burrow for a long, long time. But the question is, are you confident keeping Williams at left tackle? If you're not, would you move him to right tackle? And are you confident that Jackson Carmen can develop into the left tackle that played at Clemson and that played very well in the game against Buffalo? Or are you going to go get a free agent again? Uh, I do want to say quickly before we keep going on this point that I want to say thanks to Rowdy Everpoint for the uh, $10 super chat. He says that Burrow had a 123.6 passer rating when he targeted T when T was lined up out wide in 2022. On the web, other teams' fans were salivating at the chance to trade for T. The thought of letting him go is insane. I don't think the issue with the Bengals is on the offensive side of the ball. They're going to bring pretty much everybody back on the offensive yeah. side. It's developing the offensive line, getting the depth, making sure that Joe Burrow has the time to be able to go out and throw the ball, which he will if the guys get healthy again. They have the personnel there to be able to do it, but can the offensive line get healthy? And then at the same time, defensively, how much are you going to keep together from this defense that played so well over the last two years? I mean, these guys were one of the best defenses in the NFL when it mattered. How many guys are you going to lose? How do you prioritize? Who do you need back? Who do you not? Who do you let go? That's everything you're looking at right now. There is a fascinating article today, and a guy does a great job uh, in The Athletic, Paul Daner Jr. And for those that are you know, really curious, and all of a sudden, since the Bengals have lost, um, everybody is starting to focus in on now on the Burrow contract and what that would mean and how it could affect the Bengals moving forward. It is an unbelievable article. It lays it all out there, and it really zeroes in on uh, a couple of things. The Bengals want to get this contract done this offseason. Okay, they want to get it done. But the way it's going to be structured, and this goes back to the comments made by the general manager in Buffalo, where he talked about how you know, the Bengals were playing with rookie contracts to two of their brightest stars in Burrow and Chase, their two best players. And he talked about how it's going to change for the Bengals and how would it change for Buffalo when the contracts of the quarterback and the contract of the wide receiver, in their case, Stephon Diggs, quarterback Josh Allen. So two years ago, when they signed Allen to this long-term deal, his cap hit was at $10 million. Last year, it went to $16 million. This year, it jumped to $39 million. Okay? And basically, Diggs was in the same category. Huge jump this year. So the point was made by Paul Daner Jr. that if the Bengals get this contract done, okay, 
you're basically not going to be hurt on this big dollar amount for at least three more years because the way they'll structure the contract, and there are many different ways this contract could go. Patrick Mahomes took the most interesting contract of any of them because he got a 10-year deal and he backloaded so much of it along with the guaranteed money that for a guy that's making, and as a kind of player that he is, he's the best player in the league. It's really interesting on how they structured that deal. Now, 10 years is a long time. But Mahomes is only 27. And we've seen Brady play into darn near his mid-40s. But anyway, back to Burrow. They were saying that, he was saying that, Paul Daner Jr. of the Athletic, that this should really not affect the team dramatically for at least three more years. So when we hear so much about this window and who can hang around and who cannot hang around, you started the conversation by T. Higgins. Tim McGee said yesterday, no player likes being franchise tagged. Well, that might be the way it goes for T. Higgins. That just might be the way it is. And it's a huge salary cap hit because you make, you know, the average of the top five guys at your position. And Higgins may not be a top five receiver, but he's a top 10 receiver in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. And so, you know, he he then got into specifically of the big name players that are up for free agency this year. Hayden Hurst, Von Bell, Jesse Bates, Jermaine Pratt. And he put a, a percentage on the chances of each of those guys basically being back. Pratt, 35%. Jesse Bates, 10% if not less. He's going to make a fortune from somebody else. They have his replacement, they think they do, in Hill. Von Bell, probability of return, 75%. A lot of people forget. I mean, Von Bell has been around seemingly forever. He's 28. 28. He enrolled early at Ohio State. He left a year early. And, you know, number one pick by the Saints, and, and off he went. Eli Apple, probability of return, less than 4%. Hayden Hurst, 50-50 proposition. The Bengals are without a doubt over these next two years, not only on the field, but off the field, this offseason might be the single most interesting franchise in the NFL for what they're going to do and how they're going to handle all this. I don't think there's any doubt about it because what other team is competing at the level that the Bengals are competing at right now that is going to present this many different topics and storylines and things to pay attention to. You look at the 49ers, and they have some quarterback questions, and the 49ers have been so close. I didn't realize last night until I saw a graphic just how close the 49ers have been so many times in the last decade and haven't gotten it done. It was, yeah. I mean, I felt bad for 49ers fans looking at it, how heartbreaking that never, was. Never feel bad for 49ers fans in Cincinnati. Never wow. do that. Right, Tom? Don't do that. I I, was, I got nothing against the yeah 49ers. I got nothing against yeah, the Forty Nineers. I was looking at I was looking at it last night and I was thinking to myself, man, how many times have they been so close? You get to the N- NFC Championship, you get it to the Super Bowl, and they can't win, they can't win, they can't win. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, the Bengals, right? They're gonna get there. They're gonna get there. They're gonna get there. What are they gonna do? What are these storylines gonna be that we that we follow yep. in this in this off season? I was going through all these different teams, and yeah, teams have questions. Every team has questions. 
But for a team that's as young as the Bengals are, and for as many pieces that they got to figure out whether they're going to bring back or tag or do whatever, I think you're spot on, Tom. I don't know if there is a team in the league that is competing at this level. There are some lower-level teams that are building that are having to make a lot of these decisions, but not that are competing for Super Bowls like the Bengals are. I agree, and, you know, Joe Burrow said his, his career, his whole career is the window for the Bengals to win a Super Bowl. I'm not, I'm not as smart as everyone that's working inside that Bengals front office or, or who's throughout the NFL, but if you look at this year to when they really have to start paying Burrow and it's going to affect that cap space, these next two to three years are the real window where you have all of this talent. And sure, other you know big-name wide receivers you can draft down the road maybe that, that are a T. Higgins that fall to the second round or you can get, you know, bigger picks down the road or picks that'll pan out, I should say. But I think this year, that's why I was so bummed. I think Bengals fans are so bummed because you have the roster right now is so, so, so good on paper. They have a better roster than, than almost every team in the but, NFL. But, but that's the problem is, is I agree the roster, especially on the offensive side. And, and we said all year long, the unsung hero on this team was a defense all year long. But at the end of the day, I don't think this is a championship defense because they do not have the guy that can dominate an opposing offensive line. I mean, Trent Williams might be the best left tackle in the NFL. That guy was abused in that game against the 49ers. I mean, abused. And a lot of people were saying, if the Bengals had won that game, and Jackson Carmen's lining up after what happened to Trent Williams. I mean, God bless Jackson Carmen. He did fine. But I, I still don't. I think offensively, they've got to do something again with the offensive line. And that could be, you know, moving the, the chairs the, you know, the, on the deck around a little bit uh, and that kind of thing. Um, but I just don't think because of that defensive guy that they're missing there's a reason why the top two sacking teams in the nfl are playing in the super bowl there's a reason why philadelphia had 70 kansas city had almost 60 sacks i agree with you tom i think my my point is that the Bengals, whatever piece they want to go get or pieces they need to get this is their window to win a championship to at least win one is the next two to three years because if you don't do it then, it, it's going to be even harder. You're still going to have Joe Burrow for the next however many years, decade, but you're going to start paying him. You need to do about Mixon. You do the Reed Mouse. Let Mixon go and just keep drafting a second-round running back. Well, P. Ryan's another guy that's, that, that, that's on that free agency list, uh, and that was a footnote in the article written in The Athletic by Paul Diener Jr. that they believe very much that P. Ryan will come back. Uh, you know, that, th th this was that debate yesterday we had with Tim McGee back going back to his days as a player agent. And, you know, P. Ryan proved at times this year that you could have him as your lead back. Now, whether he's good enough to do that over 17, 18 weeks, I don't know. He's never had the chance to be your primary lead running back. Mixon's a good player, really good player. Uh, and at times has been a great player for this team. Uh, they love P. Ryan's ability to uh, pass block. 
you know, but if you've got a better offensive line, do you need a running back who's a great pass blocker? Yeah, you'd like to have him around if you can afford him, and they believe that P. Ryan uh, is very much affordable. Um, but this is going to be, I would just love, not to put it on the air, not to talk about it on the air, no nothing. Wouldn't you just love to just sit around in those meetings, not say a word, just sit back when Mike Brown and Duke Tobin and Katie Blackburn and Troy Blackburn and Zach Taylor, whoever else is in that room, scouts, your cap guy to figure all that stuff out and to just listen to what those conversations are like. You know, the one guy I'm surprised he gets, and that's a, that's a wrong word. The one guy, and we've had some people allude to it in the chat, and I said about it yesterday, I think Logan Wilson's a good player. Mm-hmm. There's no way for me he's a foundation player. He's a good player. But, I mean, I, I'm not overspending on a linebacker. Unless it's Luke Keekley. And last time I checked, he's not playing anymore. Or Roquan Smith. I mean, does Logan Wilson make a difference in a game like Roquan Smith does? No, he does not. I got a question for you, Tom. Do you think the Bengals do win a Super Bowl one day? I do. I do, because I, I, I think that this group and, and, and uh, Duke Tobin, well, look, on offense, you start on offense, and we, we've alluded to this a little bit already. They don't have to worry about anybody on offense, by and large, contractually, right now. There's no, like, superstar player on that team of the whole group and the first four or five names that come to mind, right? Burrow, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Mixon. None of those guys are free agents. None of them. So you're going to have to look at the, the defensive side of the ball and your offensive line. I believe, along with the player development, and this is a big thing that oftentimes gets overlooked in every sport. They had young players this year on that defensive side of the ball that started to emerge as the season went on. So I got to believe they're going to have some guys like Osai. Maybe he comes back and the guy's all over the field and gets 12 sacks next year. I don't know. Right. But he's got it in him, I think, don't you? Yeah, I agree. So I think, do I think they can win a Super Bowl? Absolutely, I think they can win a Super Bowl. Paul? Yeah, I agree. I think the Bengals will win a Super Bowl in the next three years. I really do. I think that the offense is too talented to not at least compete for one and put yourself in a position to win one. And I think the other thing, too, is that this year in this playoff run, to me, it really spoke to the growth of what this team needs right now. Because I don't think there was a ton of talk when we talk about the like the trash talk and stuff like that. I don't really think there was a ton of talk from actually from the Bengals. A lot of it came some of it came from the mayor. A lot of it came from the fans. A lot of it came from the The per- Mayor thing. Ugh. The well that was bad. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. A lot of it came from the periphery. But really, it was Mike Hilton with the Burrow head thing. And other than that, Joe was respectful. And there wasn't yeah. a ton but from the Bengals going over to the Chiefs. And, and even I thought Chris Jones played it the best when I thought Chris Jones of the, the, the trash talk and the war of words and, and everything, I thought he handled it yeah. in spectacular fashion. Yep. The way he talked about, well, it's not a rivalry until you win one. And 
what do they call it, bro head and all that. And then he comes into the press conference, drops one little subtle line and walks out. I mean, he it was, was he great. put on a master class of how to handle the whole situation. Chris Jones got the MVP on and off the field from that game on Sunday. But that's getting away from the point. My point is, I think that this game and this loss for the Bengals and this playoff run with how dominant they were over Buffalo, I think it gives the Bengals the confidence that right now they are the number two team in the AFC I don't know if they're the number two team in the NFL. We'll maybe figure that out uh, in a couple of weeks. But I think the Bengals right now feel confident in the fact that they are the number two team in the AFC. And if you are the number two team in the AFC, that means that you are putting yourself in a position to play this game at home. And I beat this like a drum yesterday on the show. But this game in the next two to three years has to be played at Paycor Stadium. It has to be at home. I'm not a huge home field advantage guy in the sense of the noise and everything else, but you are just asking so much of your team to have to go on the road to the loudest environment in the NFL year after year, two years in a row to expect them to win this. And I know your starting quarterback had the ball with two minutes left and he couldn't get it done in a legacy drive. I get that. But you got to be able to set yourself up in a position where you get the number one seed, you play maybe a lesser team in your first game in divisional weekend, and then you get a home game at Paycor. Well, it's what Kansas AFC City got. I mean, you know, yes. Jacksonville gave a game, but I mean, that was clearly a lesser team in the conference this year. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you, you got to put yourself in that position, and that's where I'll be very interested to see how the Bengals handle the preseason. Because God knows we spent enough time this year talking about the preseason and how the the first two games of this season. Think about it. Clark Harris doesn't get hurt. This game's at home. If the Bengals go down and beat Dallas against Cooper Rush, this game is at home. Yep. Now, maybe the rest of the season, you know, there's a butterfly effect. Maybe the rest of the season. You want me to break some news to you and Tom right now? The offensive line will not play in the preseason next season. Yeah, and see, I, I just I, – I, I, I understand that. And I know, I know where he's coming from. And you don't want to put yourself in a position where they're getting hurt in the preseason. Right. And then all of a sudden they get hurt in the preseason after they rehab. And now all of a sudden you're back in the same spot yeah. where you were right now where you need them down in the postseason run. I get it. But you have to put an emphasis – now, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. They may not have a choice about the preseason and the first – two games of the season because I think it was pretty clear this year looking back at it now from a 30,000 foot view that the first two games of the season the Bengals were just hoping they won it felt to me looking back now and how they approached those games it kind of feels like they looked at the Steelers and they said well the Steelers probably aren't going to be that good this year and the Cowboys I'm not trying to imply necessarily that they totally overlooked them but what I'm saying is there is a chance that the that the Bengals go to the Chiefs in the season opening game next year. That the that Bengals at Chiefs at Arrowhead is the Thursday night game in the first game of the NFL season next that year. That would blow my mind. Or it's the or it's the first game of you know, it's 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 maybe a primetime game on Sunday night. Yep. Paul Daner Jr. And, and and Jay talked about that on their podcast yesterday. I, I was listening to on the way home. If that is to happen, you're not overlooking that. You're approaching the entire pre preseason differently. That's not the Steelers. That's not the Browns without Deshaun Watson. That's the Chiefs in the season opener in a statement game that you have to approach differently. And that's where I think that a lot of this narrative about this team, 
we already know who the opponents are, but there is a big narrative about this team, I think, that's going to be shaped by how the schedule comes out and how they approach the preseason. Well, the one thing, the one thing that, uh, that Kansas City has a, as a distinct advantage, and, and Zach Taylor talked about this yesterday, not saying that Kansas City had the advantage. He made reference to the Bengals' division and how he thought that those games, and, and he made the point, that inside the AFC North this year, everybody went one and one against everybody. Everybody had a 500 record in the division against one another. Everybody, right? So, you know, look, like him, don't like him, you can mark it down. Deshaun Watson will be a different player next year in Cleveland. You can book it. He's got all offseason, can play in the preseason, starts a regular season, he is going to be a force in Cleveland. Kenny Pickett, he had his ups and downs as a rookie, but the bottom line is he got him to a point where they had a chance to make the playoffs. He played well enough to get them over 500. The Baltimore Ravens starting to look now more and more like, you know, I don't know if it's a tag again or whatever it might be, this Lamar Jackson thing. They get him back if he's healthy. We know what that means. And then, of course, you got the Bengals. Out in the, the, the Chiefs division, Whew. Derek Carr is gone from the Raiders. I didn't think he was anything great anyway, but a lot of people like him. And, I mean, he took his team to the playoffs last year. They stunk this year. Russell Wilson, does he have football left in him? I wouldn't rule him out. Guy's been too good for too long, but, boy, he wasn't good this year. And then you got the Chargers. I mean, the Chargers, yeah, Herbert, talented dude, but – you know, that's not the lineup you face in the AFC North for a total of six of your games. And then with the Bengals winning the division again, like Kansas City, you're going to play a first-place schedule. That's a whole different animal, man, than the Browns and those guys are going to be playing. You already know you got the Chiefs, as you pointed out. You're playing them next year. Bills come here. Yep. I mean, you got some, you got some heavyweights on that. And I, the division – could be the difference in getting to what you're talking about, a home field advantage game. Kansas City, at least in those six games inside their division, and that's a third of your schedule. It's over a third of your schedule, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a distinct advantage. All right, I'm throwing it to the Ham and Eggers. You guys good? All right. All right. We're great. We're good. Am, We're I, good. am I an honorary Ham and Egger now? Hold on. You are. Let me, uh, let me run, get the intro here. Let me run the deal. Hold on. Run it. It's that type run of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me. I would know. I introduce all the best segments. All right. Uh, hey. Brandon. Hey, how are you? Uh, let, let's get more about. Let's get more from you about the game and kind of how everything went down and get your overall. Uh, get your overall thoughts. Just sort of the environment, what happened, all that stuff. The environment was incredible, and I was there last year for the AFC Championship game, and I thought they were sitting when Joe Burrow got the ball one of those last two times in the final five minutes that there was a shot that we were going to have deja vu with Money Mac, who's never missed an, a field goal in the postseason. Did I mess something up here? No, we're just backwards. Oh. Just keep talking. Yeah, so I'm Paul Frischner, and uh, he's Brandon Seho, so we got that figured out. There we go. Um, I'm, I'm new at this. Usually I sit in the corner. There we go. Thank you. Got it. It looks different. You're looking at it the opposite it's way. It's true. I got it's, it. It's... It's like a mirror. Uh, it was awesome. It was a fun environment. Obviously, the loss sucks. Um, 
The most confusing moment of the game for every single person in the building was the third and nine. Like, no one had any idea. There was no whistle. There was no, I know they showed the, from the all 22 view, the ref came in, the back judge came in, but there was no sign of that play being called dead. They ran the whole play. They ran the, the, the punting unit out there. Well, that's the thing that, I, but that's not what lost the Bengals the game. No, it's not what lost the Bengals the game because they did end up getting the third down, the third down stop on that. But I did think that the way that it played out, you could see the official running in. But you never heard a whistle. I, did he ever blow the whistle? No, he never blew the whistle. I think it was like, I don't want to get hit, so I'm going to get out of the play. But like, if if you blow the whistle, everyone stops. You've seen it a million times in football. Yeah. Even if it's that late, like how many times have we seen a call, a uh, timeout called? You know, it looks like three seconds into a play where the refs running in, but it's just that that's not what lost in the game. I, I think Joe Burrow is going to be one of the greatest quarterbacks we ever see play the game. But he had the ball. The Bengals had chances, and they couldn't get it done. Whether it's, you know, whoever you want to put the blame on. Um, Is there any one person that you would put the blame on? No, I don't think so. There's just a common theme of seeing Joe Burrow on the ground, Yep, which is – uh, put the yeah. blame on Chris Jones. Which is going to, yeah, you can put the blame on Chris Jones. Now, I do want, I know this isn't a politics show. Uh oh. Politics. Politics. Everett. Um, does Aftab Pureval get reelected? Oh, man. Tom? There's no way, right? Guys, look. Okay. <laughs> does it, you know, I look. look we, you I, may I, not I agree not. with my political opinions on does anything, he? Does he, get, does he get reelected? But if I, if there's, if there's one thing I know for certain, in most major American cities, if you have a D next to your name, you are guaranteed to win. It's just a done deal. It's not even debatable. Just go look across the country. Is this an election Period. Is this Period. A, is this an now election he, No, he just no, got he, elected. But, but that, I mean, I, come uh, on. He's, I saw some Bengals fan tweet something along the lines of, Travis Kelsey's now like the biggest public enemy in Cincinnati. And, like, and I'm like, I'm going to be honest here. I'm going to take the greatest UC football player ever over the mayor of Cincinnati. And I'm sure Aftab's a great guy. Kelsey was a clown, though. Kelsey, you were Oh, he had fun. Who he, cares? He really was. He, he was a clown. I'm, he with, had you, I'm fun. with you all the, the way. I'm with, I'm with you all the way. He was You're a like, clown. Like, be original. Like it, was a li like, it was literally word for word from The Rock. It was like 90s WWE. Like, he's a smart enough guy. I didn't, I don't know. I just didn't. There are ways he could have I, – I look back at Chris Jones, and I, I thought even Mahomes. I thought his cigar comment. Like, you, you just sort of trade things. You're under the radar. You just let your play. Mahomes is first class all the way, man. Well, I'm not trying to have the – I'm not trying to do the, like, class argument necessarily. I'm just trying to say that – I don't know. I, I thought the WWE thing was tired, in your words. I thought it was tired. Really tired. I'm taking Kelsey over the mayor, though. You're taking Kelsey because he's a UC guy. Well, yeah. He's not a Cincinnati guy. Kelsey's a Cleveland guy. He's one of those guys, okay? <laughs> when NBC, and I love the way NBC he, does It's nothing against UC. When they do their starting lineups for the game, okay? You know how the guy comes it's on to Tom Brenneman, Ohio University. You know how they do that yeah. whole thing, right? Okay. Kelsey's the only guy. He's not the only guy. Oh, well, he's one of uh, a handful. He has never said the University of Cincinnati one time. 
He'll say Cleveland, Ohio. I'll say Cleveland. I think it's Cleveland Heights. Whatever it is. But, I mean, give me a break. He's a, a Cleveland guy through and through, and uh, that's fine. There was a debate. I love Cleveland. There was a debate on this between UC fans on Twitter for the first few years he was on, in the league, and it rubbed people the wrong way. But he doesn't hate UC. He doesn't hate Cincinnati. That's what people thought at first. Why, why is he saying it's high school? He reps UC more than any pro athlete or celebrity out there. He wears UC stuff all the time on his podcast, to events, to concerts. He, he, his profile picture for on Twitter is UC. Mm. Okay. All right. Uh, so well, I'll give you that. I mean, if you say so, I believe it. The AFTAB re-election campaign isn't until 2025. Yeah. So we get, or I guess with him for a few more of those. So if the Bengals win the Super Bowl in the next two years, he's vindicated. Maybe. But make no mistake about Oof. it, boys. If Travis Kelsey wanted to become a Bengal, you'd take him tomorrow. Oh, yeah, baby. You'd take him tomorrow. Sure. End of story. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, you know the, the, the thing that's so interesting about Kelsey? Uh, the guy's going to the Hall of Fame. Not even debatable, right? And, and by the time his career is over, he'll probably go down as the second greatest tight end in the history of the National Football League. What's ironic is... He'll go down as the second greatest tight end in the history of the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. Well, right? Someone, Tony. Someone in the chat asked, uh, when's the last time Travis Kelsey's been to a UC game? I think he was here for homecoming in 2019, I believe. Look, if those guys don't want to come back, I mean, you know, for a football game, they're in the middle of their own season, even on a weekend off. I don't care if they come back or not. I mean, you know, nobody goes back to games more than those Ohio State guys. But there are a lot of schools that have that. LSU has that. Alabama, those yeah. guys come back. I mean, they, they come back if they're able to. Sometimes they can. Sometimes they can't. Is, uh, is Joe Burrow a Buckeye or an LSU Tiger? Tom? Oh, my God. I think if you were to ask him in his heart of heart what he truly is. Oh, no, Tom. Oh, no. No, don't. no doubt in my mind. There's no doubt in my mind. There's no question in my mind whatsoever that he's a Louisiana Did State Tiger. Did he have Tiger. his playing chance at LSU? No doubt. Heisman Trophy, national championship, no question. Tom, but Tom. he is an Ohio guy <laughs> through and through. No doubt in my mind. I mean, he's an, he's o- an Ohio, he's an Ohio guy. guy. But I'm saying through and through. He'll never admit it. He'll never admit it. But we know Joe. And we I know. and I was just we know. I was just poking the bear. He can be both. Both fan bases can 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 be proud of him and claim Joe Burrow, but he won a national tri- championship at LSU. He's a coach O guy, is what he is. Eddie O, go Tigers. Eddie O, go Tigers. Eddie O, one team, one heartbeat. Want a bit, want a big time game down there. You know I'm kidding about the Burrow stuff. Come on. Uh, I don't uh, know. You know I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> Let's get he you the Ohio went, State football went, hoodie no, back. No, no. I mean, come on. Come on. He got a chance to play, and we, we walked through this at length uh, on WLW in the pregame show because uh, Chick Ludwig's a huge Ohio State guy, alum, whole deal. And, uh, you know, we're walking back through our podcast with, with Urban Meyer earlier this year. I mean, you know, for those people out there, oh, Urban Meyer didn't play Joe Burrow. Uh, wrong. Totally wrong. Well, apparently somebody called the uh... – JT Barrett was a starter. He will go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks, college quarterbacks in the history of Ohio State. He won a ton of games. 
He gets hurt, breaks his ankle against Michigan. Cardale Jones steps in. They win the national championship. They come back to camp the next year. Those two are still there. And then you add Joe Burrow, who got hurt and could not play to get ready for the season. And those two guys were already ahead of him. And it accomplished leading a team to a championship, winning a championship. So Burrow was already down a notch or two, but then when he got hurt, that was it. And then nobody helped orchestrate Joe Burrow's transfer school more than Urban Meyer did. Nobody helped the guy more than he did. So for the people out there, you don't like Urban. I don't care if you like Urban. It makes no difference to me. But he was not a guy that did not play Joe Burrow. That's just completely wrong. I'm just asking all the best questions. I can give these hypotheticals all day. Tom, I need to know an answer to a question. How close were we to the leader of men on Zach Taylor? We're not that close. But I got to tell you, I, I have to tell you, I, I, I you know, um, I went back and watched the entire 23 and a half minute press conference yesterday. I watched the whole thing last night. And his leadership skills as a macro guy in creating the culture down there has really been amazing. Now, make no mistake, and this is true for any coach, okay? And it's true for Belichick, who's regarded as the greatest coach in the history of the league. He had Tom Brady. Okay, so good for Zach Taylor. He's got Joe Burrow, right? He's got Jamar Chase. But, you know, and he even acknowledged, he talked about how um, – Brian Callahan, Lou Anarumo, himself, some of the other coaches, Darren Simmons, special teams guys, they've all been together since Zach got that guy, uh, got the job. And he talked about how they're all, all of them are growing together. And I like the fact that he says, hey, look, I've got things I've got to get better at. Other guys have things they need to get better at, but we are growing together at the same time. And I think the way he handles himself, especially after that game on Sunday, it reminded me a lot of the Bruce Pearl deal when Auburn got beat in the national championship game. Right? Yep. He could have buried the officials. He didn't do it. He handled all the questions. Stand-up guy. Wouldn't even let anybody take him down the road on the Osai play as if that cost him the game. Um I think Zach Taylor's got a chance to be a great head coach in the NFL. I don't think he's there yet. And just because they got the AFC Championship game two years in a row, obviously he's done a very, very, very good job. But I think he's got a chance. He's still so young. He's got a chance to be a great coach because he doesn't let his ego get in the way. And for some of these guys, when you get around them, Uh, their ego really gets in the way and it stumps them from from growing and getting better. You guys agree with that or you think he's already a great coach? I I agree 100% with you, 99.9% with you. I think he's already a leader of men, but my my barometer for that's a little bit different than yours because you're the creator of leader of men or one of the founders. Um, I just... I'm also biased. I worked with him his first three seasons here. I saw the, the work that 
that him and his staff put on behind the scenes. I mean, nothing against Marvin Lewis, but when the when the locker room was in a spot where they had lost a lot of good players, they lost a lot of games. He comes in, obviously Burrow comes in his second year. You still have to orchestrate the team and get them to believe in 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 the mission and winning and that you're not going to be the same old Bengals or Bungles these next few years. And and I really commend Zach. Every, every coach talks about culture. It's funny. Those clips have gone viral on, on Twitter when they'll just clip culture, culture, culture from every opening press conference. Yeah. But they really did it. I mean, this is just a uh, – it, it's little things, and i got to give the Bengals' front office a lot of credit too. Yep. It's little things you notice. Like when you walk in – the Bengals locker room and for fans that that have not done that when you see those photos of players walking in the loading dock outside of the locker room and the outfits of the week before the game until Zach Taylor's second year when you walked in the locker room there was no paint there was no screens there was no motivational messages there might there might have been like one in like one spot in there whatever the motto of the year was for Marvin's teams but they completely changed the culture, how it looked, how, how how things operated. It was night and day once Joe Burrow got here and how Zach Taylor's led that team. Yep. Yep. And by the way, one footnote, and you know I love you guys on the chat, and we've got a lot of new guys on here. Could someone please take a step back and ask yourself a question? What is the job of a college football head coach? What's his job? It's to win. Right? Mm -hmm. End of story. That's the guy's job is to win. Okay? So for the people to jump on there and start saying, oh, how many great quarterbacks have come out of Ohio State? Dot, dot, dot. Somebody on here. Crickets. That's not the job of a college head football coach to develop quarterbacks that are stars in the NFL. That's not their job. Their job is to win college football games and to win national championships. That's their job. Not to produce the number one pick in the NFL draft. If you come along with that and that's part of the deal, that's great. But that's not their job. Their job is to win national championships. End of story. Tom, if you had to pick one who you're a bigger fan of, Urban Meyer or Ohio State, which one would you pick? Well, I know Urban Meyer, and I like him. A lot of people right. don't, and you're allowed not to like him. I'm just giving there you all the crazy hypotheticals. You know me and don't like me. UDF or Starbucks? No, no, not even debatable. Come on. That's free pub. Not even. United Dairy Farmers. I am not, never have been, and not because UDF is a sponsor. I, I've never been a Starbucks guy. Now we'll never get them as a sponsor. But that's not me. Not who I am. What about Paul Doherty? You're a morning cup of coffee kind of a guy, Doc, from themorningline.substack.com. You don't strike me yeah. as being a big Starbucks guy, Doc. I'm not a Starbucks guy. You know why? Why? <laughs> I was just I waiting. Say, I want to know why. I can't say those names, man. I can't. You know, all those fancy names that they have for coffee. 
I really can't say them. Anything that ends in like I A T O, <laughs> I N I, no way. I don't, you know, the thing that bothers me, Doc, hand in hand, what you're saying, I mean, you can't walk in there and say, can I have a small coffee? Can I have a large coffee? It's words like grande and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's so pretentious. And I'll (laughs) tell you what else, Tom. My wife is a, a geek for Starbucks iced tea. Yeah. It's like four bucks, right? Right. She gets one of these things, you know, probably five or six times a week. Now, think about that. You're dropping four bills six times a week. That's $24 times $52. That's more than $1,000 on freaking iced tea. We told our daughter, who's down at college, we said, look, you want to go out, have a couple cocktails? That's on your money. And this stuff with going to Starbucks and spending four or five dollars, that's out too. Do you end up? Yeah. Well, I, I my my nickname, especially on the blog, people know me as Johnny Thin Wallet, <laughs> and, and it's a well deserved nickname, by the way. But I, I could not see myself spending four dollars a day on coffee. No. It's just not that great, you know? I love coffee. It's important to my functioning as a human being before noon. But I'm not dumping $4 on, on, on a cup of unpronounceable coffee. For $4, you can buy a large cup of coffee at UDF and go in and get two more refills over the course of the day. It still wouldn't cost you 5 bucks. Right. Plus, don't, don't they have those cool flavored creams, right? Well, I don't use those either, Doc. But, I mean, that's okay. I mean, everybody's got their own thing with coffee. That's fine. That's fine. All right, let me ask you, Doc. Let's get into the, um, the whole the, the, the Bengals thing. Um, your thoughts about the game. What struck you uh, beginning to end that stood out for you in that game? They didn't block well enough. Um, I mean, that's a simplistic answer, but it's – it's a pretty easy answer. They they did not when they did give Joe Burrow time when he had time, say at the end of the first half in that last drive, and to start the second half, they produced ten points fairly quickly. He had that extra split second to to look over the field and throw the ball. He, he was most of the time he was under duress. Um, Kansas City played better than I thought it would. Uh, from that perspective, and I thought that was a difference in the game, unlike most people around here who thought the refs rigged the game in favor of the Chiefs. I thought it was based on real stuff that happened on the field, not on, not on clown show conspiracy theories. Well, um, look, you know, Gene Steratore, I don't know if you heard the story today, he comes out and he talked about, in his opinion, there were, there were a number of calls, especially that final uh, scramble by... Uh, Mahomes, where Osai committed the penalty, gave him the extra 15 yards. They kicked the field goal. They won the game. He said clearly there were one or two holding calls. The officials just completely blew it. I'm not into the conspiracy thing either. I like the way that Brian Billick put it on the show yesterday. You can argue with calls in every single game, but the administration of the game was terrible. I've never seen a play redone 
I announced football games for 25 years in the NFL. I have never seen a play that was done over again. Well, the way they explained it and the way the rule is, it was the right call. I mean, I, I'm, maybe maybe most people have never heard a crowd that loud. Maybe most games are not that intense. That was a hard game to officiate. I mean, I'm not making excuses for those guys. They make they blow a lot of calls, and it raises a legitimate point that's been raised in the past as to whether some of these officials, Tom, are simply too old yep. to be doing this anymore. They, they can't keep up with what they're trying to officiate. Um, that That's a legitimate gripe. Um but that, I, I think they got that call right. If, if you do notice the replay, you do see, I, I guess it's the back judge, the guy who was supposed to have blown the whistle that nobody could hear, running in yep. as the play was snapped. That leads me to believe that, yes, he saw that that clock was still running after an incomplete pass, and he was going to stop the action. He blew the whistle, and nobody could hear it. So, I mean, people can complain about, about uh, the way that situation came about, and, and I guess the uniqueness of it, but I don't see anybody saying that it was the wrong call. I, I, I think it was the right call. The administration of it was clunky, but hell, you got 70,000 people screaming their lungs out. I thought it was a hard game to officiate, partly for that reason, I, and, I, and I, I didn't think it was a great uh, game for the rest, but by no means... Did, did I think that, that anybody had a hand in trying to uh, change the outcome to benefit TV ratings because Roger Goodell and, and the league hates the Bengals? Yeah. That's yeah. just ridiculous, yeah. and it makes people who say that stuff look stupid. Yeah, I agree with you on that 100%. Um, so now you move forward, and you, know, you look at this team, and we were debating it before you came on um, – and figuring out what you need to win a Super Bowl. Their defense was outstanding this year. Uh, whether or not Lou Anarumo uh, gets a chance to be a head coach, we'll know in the next you know, two, three weeks, whatever it might be. Um, it doesn't appear to be trending in that direction, but you never know. So you assume for a second he's going to be back, so you know you have one of the best defensive coordinators around. They'll have to make some personnel decisions. On that side of the ball, the Von Bells, the Jesse Bates, the um, uh, Eli Apples of the world, the Jermaine Pratt's of the world, those guys. But, Doc, for me, when I uh, – we're making a comment earlier. For me, of the four teams left standing, the Bengals were the only one that did not have a dominant – and I mean game-changing dominant – defensive lineman. For me, that's got to be priority number one in this offseason. Or uh, yeah, uh, an edge, an edge rusher, a Von Miller type, um, um, the kid from Dallas whose name escapes me right Parsons, now. Parsons, Michael Parsons. Yeah, uh, you're right. Jones, Jones, probably was the most important player in that game the other day. Uh, the, the the Eagles kid who did the same thing to the 49ers, maybe the most important player in that game. Um, yeah. I think they thought they had that in, in Trey Hendrickson. I don't know that he quite had as good a year as he had last year, although that would have been pretty hard to do. He had a great year last year. I, I, I think you're right. I, I think something else, though, I think that every team, especially the Bengals, I would think, needs to take a hard look at how they play offense. If I'm the Bengals, and I know that Joe Burrow, the difference between having 
two seconds of, of time to throw and 2.4 or 5 is so huge, maybe I think about having a fullback. Maybe I, maybe I think about leaving a blocking tight end, a tight end in the block just about every passing down. I don't try to get cute or fancy. Um, I, I've already got three of, of the better wide receivers in the game on the same team. And I've already seen what Joe Burrow can do when he has time. Uh, I, I Maybe I, I change it up a little on offense and, and place a much greater emphasis on, on giving Burrow that extra three-tenths of a second. You know, and, and I know they need the edge rusher. Sure, everybody does. Um, but I think that, that that's a lot harder to get than, than simply tweaking your offense and the way you run it to, to give Burrow all the time he needs. Well, you know, it's interesting you talk about the fullback because that has been, um, you know, we're seeing it now evolve the other way with the tight end position. You know, for a long time, tight ends were in vogue. Then you had a bunch of offensive-minded guys that never used a tight end. I mean, for a decade, uh, there were really only two or three really good tight ends. Now there are a lot of really good tight ends. The only offensive coach, to my knowledge, uh, at least that I watch on a semi-regular basis, uh, who very much utilizes the tight end, uh, ironically, a kid from Lodi, Ohio, is Kyle Juszczyk, and that's Kyle Shanahan out in San Francisco. Uh, Juszczyk is going to the Pro Bowl every year, maybe because he's the only fullback in the NFL, uh, but he's a guy that, you know, clearly they, they, uh, they utilize the fullback. It's not a bad idea. Um, you know, well, a lot of... Go ahead, please. The Ravens have used, uh, I guess, Patrick Ricard. He's about a 290-pound yeah. fullback. But I, you can scheme around great pass rushes, and the Bengals have done that to a large extent. You know, they run shorter routes. They run uh, shorter drops. Uh, Burrow has gotten really good at getting the ball out quickly. But in a game like the other day, when one guy is just doing it to you play after play, Sure could use an extra guy to block. I mean, given the quality of the wide receivers this team has, do, do you really need another wide receiver or even a receiver, another in the pattern? I, I don't I don't think so. I mean, Hurst is, was pretty good this year catching yep. balls. I, I'd rather have him blocking. I'd rather have him blocking so Burrow has time to find one of the three really good guys he's got. Yeah, and that was a big hit in that game that a lot of people have not talked about, and that was the injury to Tyler Boyd. Because, you know, we have seen so many times over the last couple of years where Burrow has been healthy, where for whatever reason, you know, maybe they're double-teaming this guy or double-teaming that guy. A lot of that stuff's way over my pay scale. But all of a sudden, there'll be that game once every three, four, five weeks where Boyd you know, bust out for 110, 105 yards and two touchdowns in a game. And, and I thought Romo did a fabulous job there on the Bengals' last two drives of pointing out without Boyd in the game, they were doubling up on Higgins, they're doubling up on Chase, and that's why Hurst was so wide open on that third down and 14 uh, to, to temporarily keep that drive alive. Uh, I still come back to, Doc, that same thing, though, and I made a big deal of it yesterday. And, and look, I've given Zach Taylor a lot of love on this show here over the last couple of weeks. But I still get back to the fact that you've got the ball. You don't want Mahomes to get the ball. You get seven yards on a first down just inside your own 40. 
Two more first downs, you kick the field goal and win the game, and you're throwing 25 and 40-yard bombs down the field on second and three and third and three. I didn't get it. I, I mean, that, yeah, that that's hard to understand. I, I didn't hear anybody ask Taylor specifically about that. Maybe they saw a look that they liked, the matchup that they wanted, and, and thought they could hit it. But, I mean, common sense says in that situation that you, you – uh, one second and three, maybe you try to use up a little clock and get the first down, and they didn't do that. I, I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not one of those guys that's big on second-guessing strategy or managers who call this or that or the other. I'm not as smart as most of the people who watch these games, evidently, because I, I, don't, I don't harp on or see a lot of this stuff that I guess is pretty obvious. I mean, I... I, I did when, when that occurred. I said, well, yeah, maybe they could have gone another way. But I tend to give coaches and managers the benefit of the doubt more than I should probably because they're there. They're right in the middle of it. They're playing a the game. I'm watching in the press box or on TV. And I, I, I don't know if they think that they've got a favorable matchup on one side that they can that they believe they can exploit for a big game. I, I, don't, I don't know that. I'm just watching TV. So I tend to give them a break on that stuff. Um. Yeah, see, I, I don't give them breaks. I, I, I mean, I don't give them breaks. I mean, it's their job to know the game. They've got a guy upstairs. They've got a guy upstairs that's an offensive coordinator that can see everything going on better than the head coach. We talked about that before. You know, for baseball coaches, uh, baseball managers, and for head football coaches, they have the worst seat in the house of being able to tell what the hell is going on. They really do. Um, but, you know, look – when you're talking about trying to win a Super Bowl, and I love what Zach Taylor said yesterday, that as a play caller uh, and, and his staff, that they have to get better just like players have to get better, and that he feels like their growth the last two years as a staff, coordinators, him as a head coach, special teams, all the stuff, they've gotten better, and I think we all have to agree with that. Even as this season went on, I thought they got better. Well, they're all young guys, yeah, and they're certainly young in terms of, of their experience in the NFL. Um, Lou Anarumo may be whatever. I don't know what he is, 40, 45, but, but he's, he hasn't been in the league very long, you know. Um, Zach Taylor hasn't been in the league very long, and he was never even a coordinator before he got this job. So I agree. I, I, I think that um, the coaching, especially this year, one up, one up leaps and bounds. I, I I mean, how can you how can you fault Lou Anarumo for the job he did? Um, how can you fault Zach Taylor? I mean, look what happened to the Rams. Yeah. Right. I mean, I love it. I know they lost a bunch of players to injury, uh, but still, uh, Taylor has a team back in a position to go to the Super Bowl a year after they're in the Super Bowl. Unless you're the Patriots, that that, that hasn't happened very often. So. I, I yeah, I, I think that they're good and they're only going to get better if they can keep that staff together. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, look, I was around when Andy Reid was just getting the job in Philadelphia. I think if you compare to right now, and, it's, and, and, and look, we'll see what happens moving forward. Most people feel like Reid is one of the top two, if not the best coach in the NFL right now. I'm not saying over the long haul with Belichick, but right now, Reid by many is considered to be the best head coach in the league. I think Zach Taylor, if you just look at the last two years, now again, he had Burrow and, you know, Andy Reid had – uh, Donovan McNabb, who was a great player, 
Couldn't win the Super Bowl, but a great player. Now he's got Mahomes, who's a great player, has won a Super Bowl, going to his third one. The Taylor is trending in that direction. Um, I, I'm curious because so many people, and, 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 and this is one of those things that, that I look at, Doc, and you've seen this before in, in all sports. I hear people saying all the time, Tim McGee, by the way, yesterday vehemently agree, uh, disagreed with this comment. Uh, I, but all I read all the time is Joe Burrow is going to give the Bengals a hometown discount. What if he doesn't give the Bengals a hometown discount? Does that make him a bad guy? Of course not. No, I mean, I, no. It's, it's a business, and, and if, the, if the NFL and, and the people who run it and the people who run your team have a chance to cut your throat, they will. Because it's a business. Why, why should the player... Be the be be all benevolent and say, oh yeah, you know, I love playing here. And the, no, it, it, you know, you have a, a finite amount of time to make as much money as you can make. Uh, and the, I don't know what the average lifespan of a quarterback is. I think a running back or just anybody in general overall is about four years. I mean, what if you and I had a four-year career? We wouldn't say, I'm, you know, I, I love working here, so I'm I'm going to let you guys underpay me. No. <laughs> he's going to take what he can get and, and, and get it while, while the getting's good. You know, Not, he has, he's under no obligation to take any hometown, you know, offer some hometown discount. Uh, if anything, the team should say, you're so important to us that we're going to pay you more than we should pay you. We're going to pay you more than the going rate of the best quarterback in the NFL. I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happens. I mean, the Bengals are $44 million looking ahead to next year under the salary cap. Uh, it's been well documented, all this money uh, coming in, the naming rights to the stadium, that basically they, they've seen this on the horizon. Once Burrow proved that he was worthy of the number one pick in the draft and what he's capable of doing for this franchise, and they basically have built up a war chest for this thing, knowing that the more money they have guaranteed – the less money they have as far as the salary cap is concerned. And, 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 and you know, Doc, uh, it's the first time in a long time that I can honestly say I trust the people down there to know what they're doing. Well, we'll, we'll see, won't we? Um, they, they've always paid so-called skilled position players. I mean, Mike Brown loves skilled position players. He, he might not love Andrew Whitworth as much as a skilled position player, and didn't pay him, um, but he'll pay Joe Burrow the going rate, whatever that happens to be at the time. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty certain he won't pay him any more than that, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you got a good point. Um, so what do we do now, Doc, with all our time? Well, the Bengals are done, sports-wise. I mean, get do you life, get the man. vibe? I want, I, I, and I'll end with this. I want to ask you this question. I was bouncing around on Saturday and had to pop in some different places that had televisions on, sports televisions on. A lot of different places. Workout place, some other places I was popping in and out of. Not one place did I walk in had the Xavier basketball game on. And they played a huge game on Saturday against Creighton. I mean, Creighton's yeah. got a good team. Xavier's having a great year. There wasn't one television in the place that had the basketball game on. I don't know how many people 
uh, watch the UC Houston game right after that was over. That was a great game. UC might have played its best game of the season. What do we get yeah. excited? What are we following now? Well, this is, uh, I've always said that, uh, especially lately, the, the day after the NFL season is over is when the college basketball season begins. So these days you got college basketball has about a seven-week season, right? It runs from the second week in February until the end of March, and that's just the way it is. I, I you know, Xavier, Xavier is Xavier. You know, they, they've got a, a, a extremely loyal fan base, but it's kind of constrained. It's kind of limited. Xavier is what Xavier is. 10-250 at Cintas Center every game. You know, not 10-249, not 10-251. And I've, I've joked every once in a while, you know, that's probably every every Xavier fan in town is at, is at the Xavier basketball game. Um, that's not true, obviously, but it seems that way sometimes. It's, um, it, it's a very well-run, obviously excellent program that is not even second fiddle in this town because you got the Bengals and you have UC and, and maybe even the, the the Reds and FC Cincinnati that, that have a greater following than Xavier. So it doesn't surprise me that, that there were no TVs turned to the X game, especially when the Bengals are still playing football. All right, Doc. Well, we'll, uh, we'll continue to plod forward. We've got college basketball, as you said, now on the radar. And we've got baseball coming up around the corner. Pitchers and catchers reporting. Not a lot of enthusiasm for the Reds, but they are going to play this season. And so we're going to be they following are. them and getting your thoughts on it. And so um, thank you for your time today. And as always, themorningline.substack.com. Great. Thank you, brother. All right, man. Have a good day, Doc. Great to have Doc with us. You know, Paul, I was thinking about this driving in today. During the season, we had Casey Stinklist. Okay? And it was very entertaining. A lot of the folks that watch our our show every single day were, were really excited about it. A lot of fun on the chat about it. I think you should start to do your top 15 college basketball poll. And give us... A, a weekly kind of thing, okay? okay? Are you okay with that? If you want to talk college basketball, Tom, I will give you whatever you want with college basketball. Well, you know, it's funny. Our buddy Seth Davis, and we're going to have him on the show here when we get close to the NCAA tournament, does a great job for CBS Sports. Um, he wrote a column today that basically is for a lot of us out there. And I used to be the biggest college basketball fan on the planet. I never miss games. And, and, and then, you know, it's just started to wane in recent years. Um, unless my Bobcats are making a big run in a tournament. But it started to wane in recent years. Uh, and he wrote an article today that basically is a catch-me-up article. You know what I mean? Yeah. For people that have been following football all year, and Seth's a really smart guy, and he's smart enough to figure out, just like Doc just said. For a lot of people is now when their interest and in following college basketball will begin now in earnest. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think for the casual college basketball fan, this is, this is the point of the season where you know which teams are good, which teams aren't, which teams have separated themselves, which teams haven't conference season is really kicking up tonight is an unbelievable night there's a ton of great games going on around the country tonight kansas and kansas state obviously is a game that 
the Chatterbox crew is at, but there's a ton of great games across the country. And yeah, Tom, hey, if you want a list, if you want, I'm not, I won't do the stink list. I'll do the, I'll do the, whatever the opposite of the stink but list is. But I think is. what you have to do is when <laughs> you list. do this poll, yeah. I think we put them in categories though. I like the categories of the stink list rather than just a one through 15 kind of thing. Yeah. Because you know, hey, I mean, I was looking at the two polls today. And, I mean, what a disparity you see in some of these polls and what they think about teams. I mean, normally, coaches poll AP, there might be a one or two number spread on where they have teams ranked. There are teams that are ranked in one poll that aren't ranked in another poll. Illinois is an example, right? Okay. So, um, and then you get a disparity in a team like Marquette where there's like, you know, four positions different in one poll from the other. But I think what you need to do is, 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 if you can, is let's set it up like the stink list thing sure. where you have the bona fide title contenders, in your opinion. Victory Parkway. That's what you can call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, just He's below on that. to something then there, just, Brandon. Then, on to then just below there. that, Dana Gardens. Yeah. And I don't know where. You got to get a Dana Gardens logo for Xavier instead of X. Just a Dana yes. lo- yeah, Garden. That I still need to go there. Logo. Am, okay. I, am I allowed in there? I, it's a welcoming place. I'll leave that up to BJ. I'm but not so sure about that part. Not with that. I want to go. Uh, not with this hat. Brandon, I wouldn't wear if this. you and I walked in there, I wouldn't would, wear this uh, hat. We would need Mr. T alone. I, I do want to go to a Xavier game this year. Cintas oh. Center is, and I'm going to get heat for wearing this hat and saying the Cintas Center is a great arena. It's yes, a fun, it is. It's a fun time. Yes, it is. There's some great games left. I mean, this, this Wednesday is... Uh, this Wednesday is going to be a massive one. I'll okay. tell you what. This- All right, hold that thought here a second because Andrew in the chat, here's what he believes the tiers should be, and I think he's on to something here. Okay. Okay? The top tier, Final Four, right? Sure. Okay, that, that, those are the teams you think can get to the Final Four. Next bracket buster. So that could be a team, let's say, like, uh, if Xavier's a three, okay? Yeah. If they are. Uh, and they might be better than that. But if they're a three, you know, they can bust a two in the, in the Sweet 16, right? Sure. Okay. So they could beat that. Then you go to if they got hot, right? Yeah. Say like a, a TCU, although they're going to be a top four. But, you know, they, 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 there's four seed. Um, there could be a team that if they got hot, you never know. UK. And then UK. North Carolina. UK, Duke, who knows, right? Um, Which, by the way, and Uh I know nobody really cares, but my son and I were talking about this last night. I looked at it on my own. And then about an hour later, he comes to me because it's one of the colleges he's looking at. And we went up there and visited. Um, What in the hell has happened to Syracuse basketball? Oh, well, it's, it's very easy. Jim Beheim. It's very easy. He's hamstrung the program. He won't retire. He's been around forever. Well, Look I know, at- but he's done pretty good there. He's like the second or third winningest coach all time. Oh, well, when you stick around a place for long enough, you're going to uh, stack Now, wins. come on. That's not fair. One, one or two national titles? Yeah, one. He won with Carmelo. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I think that's his only one. I think he's only won one. Okay. And, I mean, I, seriously, like, I'm not even kidding at this point. I, I, think, uh, I think that... Bayheim's he's got to retire. I mean, you look at some of these guys like Shashevsky, 
He probably stuck around too long. In my opinion, Shashevsky should have retired after their last national championship, but that's just me. He stuck around a little too long. I thought Roy did okay. Roy just loves college basketball, Roy Williams. Uh, Jay Wright got out. I thought, I mean, Jay is now crushing it in the in the broadcast booth, but Jay Jay got out. I thought Jay was going to be around for 10, 15 yeah, years longer. Too. He was yeah. right in the coaching prime, and he got out. And then, you know, now it's Bayheim. Bayheim's kind of the last one of this old regime that hasn't retired yet because everybody else has gotten out, and he's the last one that's clinging on that hasn't gotten out of coaching yet because I'm trying to think of anybody around the game there are coaches that are older that have been at their school I mean look at Greg Campy at Oakland I mean that guy's been there for what 40 years or something he's been around forever but I'm talking about the big the yeah. high major yeah. schools that that you think of in these brand names and everything I, I think Jim is just and his his shtick is getting real old and, and they were and, in the final four in 2016 yeah, well, it's the classic Syracuse where you they get in as like a ten what, seed. A ten, I was going to say an eleven, a ten seed, and then they just find their way through the bracket and into then the Sweet Sixteen. Two years ago, they were Sweet Sixteen bounced. Yeah, but that was and then last year sixteen and seventeen. This year thirteen and ten. Mm-hmm. They haven't been a top three seed or four seed since 2013 so 10 years that's a long time yeah they haven't been a protected seed in almost somebody said here on the chat huggins still clinging am said that Uh, i i don't agree with that i don't think huggins is still clinging i think huggins is i love i love huggy berries my all-time favorite maybe coach period any because i grew up during the Kenyon martin jordan era uc i don't think huggy's got much time left in college i don't think he has players and I think you get a hard time. I mean, but I mean, just this week, right? I mean, if you're if you're comparing, let's say a a, a Bayheim to a Huggins, yeah, okay, because they're two of the top four winningest coaches in the history of basketball, D one, yeah. right? I mean, this week alone, Huggins teams beat TCU, and they beat Auburn. Syracuse never wins games like that anymore. No, never. I mean, they played Virginia, who's good. They won, what, seven in a row? They're ranked seven, yeah. something like that. They got a good team. They're not a world beater. Uh, they went up to Syracuse and won last night. Syracuse just doesn't win those games anymore. No. Well, and I think Huggy can still win some games. He can. Yeah. He can. I think he's getting toward the end of his tenure, but I do think I'm with you, Tom. I do think Huggins still, Huggins definitely has a bigger leash. than, And he's also in the Big 12, which right. just naturally you're going to have better talent and, and a better team in the Big 12 than you are in the ACC right now. The ACC's down. And, yeah, really down. Really down. And I never thought about it until now, but, but Huggins is probably kind of having the same mindset as Dusty where – he wants to win that championship no matter how long it takes. Yeah, I agree. And, might, I mean, and, he, and he's been so close. Might I mean, be. He was in the Final Four. Big injury happens when he's at West Virginia. Obviously, we know what happens with Kenyon. I mean, can't blame the guy. Can't no. blame the guy one bit. Yeah. I, I just – and, sir, boy, wonder what happened to Georgetown. But Patrick Ewing, he's oh, – That they, guy – They will just, resolve that situation hopefully this year. How long has he been the head coach there? Six years. Yeah, something Seven, like that. Six years. Yep. Six years, I think. Now, what do we do here in this chat? Because, you know, Elise uh, is, has become a regular now. Elise, we're really glad you're here. She says, I don't care about college basketball. Well, and then somebody else jumps in and says, it doesn't make a bit of difference. 
conference champions, postseason conference championships, yawn, says Ken Cincy USA. NCAA tournament is it, period. Now, if you're in our position, and I'm not saying either one of you are wrong. In fact, I think in many cases, with the oversaturation of these games on every night, every night of the week, multiple outlets, um, it saturated the game. But the money talks and the BS walks. But what else are we supposed to talk about on this show? No, I mean, I yeah. mean, right now, what are we going to do? It's a sports talk show. So I'm open to ideas. Elise? Australia. Ken Sensi? Anybody? No. I can tell you one thing it's not going to be is FC. Oh, come on, Tom. We got you on FC. No, we will talk about FC, but I'm saying we can't sit around here logically and expect to hold an audience talking for an hour a day no. about FC Cincinnati. They've got a great following. They've got an incredible stadium. They've got great ownership. They had a hell of a year last year. They nearly got to the finals. But um, just like you can't make a living sitting around here talking about Xavier basketball for an hour in a two-hour show. Yeah. And that's no knock on Xavier. We couldn't do it talking about UC for an hour. We've got to find other things to talk about. What's the appetite for the baseball conversation? Woof. <laughs> I, I think I think from For, well, your perspective. Yeah. I'm asking the people that are watching right now, and you can jump in on the chat. I'm sincerely asking when pitchers and catchers report in two weeks, and they start playing spring training games. You want us talking about the Reds for 25, 35 minutes? I mean, is that going to get people to watch this show? I honestly think, Tom, from your perspective of being around the game of baseball and you having a lot of baseball fans that have followed your career, yeah, they will want to hear you talk about the Reds in baseball when it happens. Okay. Now, it's not going to be like football, but I think for me and a lot of people who are, let's say, Bengals, Reds, UC fans, there's two of those teams aren't going to the postseason this year and maybe not next year in basketball, football, baseball, yeah. whatever it is. So once the Bengals are done, it's like, what's left? Like, I, that's why I don't have – I'm a huge college basketball fan, but I just don't have much interest in watching when my team sucks. Okay. Well, well we, got, we got the Tracer in here. We got the Tracer. Um, tracer, look, first of all, uh, good morning. How are you? How was your good weekend? Morning. How was your big weekend with uh, Danae out my of town? Weekend yeah, my weekend was was uh, was nice. Can, can I address that question that you threw out to our audience? I, I was getting ready to ask you that, but I wanted to say good morning first. Good morning. Here, here's the thing, and Tom's funny how he sets things up. He's kind of a, a brilliant guy. His mind works very quickly. Quick. Um, here's what happened, and you're, we're going to address the elephant in the room. Uh, you were on WLW yesterday, right? Doing the pregame uh, show Sunday, or Sunday. Sunday, yes. Well, here's what we're thinking about doing at Chatterbox. And we need to get some feedback on this because I think it's a brilliant idea. The reason Tom was on WLW, he was using 700 WLW as his sandbox. And what we want to do is maybe take phone calls. And Tom wanted to get introduced to taking phone calls and seeing how that went. 
What about taking high, uh, phone calls on the show? Kind of make it a hybrid. We'd have like it is with taking phone calls. And, and that's something that we're discussing and I think it's a great idea. And I thought you did a great job handling the phone calls. I think what you have to do when you take a phone call is you need to put people on their toes. I used to guess a woman's weight if she didn't like me. I'd guess 275. Uh, you insult people where they live. Let's say someone's calling from Norwood. You insult people from Norwood. Anderson, uh, East Price Hill. Did I mention Norwood? And then also talk about yourself in the third person. People loved it when I did that. And then also, Tom, tell them how it a great broadcaster. No one can broadcast baseball, basketball, football like you. And we'll stir the pot. But I think taking phone calls is a good idea on this show. I think it's a great idea. And, and my understanding is, Paul, you correct me if I'm wrong or Brandon is, is we're entertaining an idea. But the, the, but the thing you have to have, and you really do have to have it, if you're taking phone calls is because we could be facing, you know, legal issue, whatever it might be. You have to have um, uh, a delay, right? Or the ability, right. the second somebody says something, to cut them off. And you had that at WLW where you could do that. Right. So, but here's something that you have to think, though, Tom. You've got to think of yourself as not Tom Brenneman. You've got to think of yourself as like a, a Jerry Springer. You got to stir the pot, get it going like that, and and maybe the ham and eggers. Someone could be like Steve Bilko is is like co-host with on the show. You guys could shave your head, maybe. I think you guys would look great. Well, wait. Uh, while we get into that, talking about mayors, what are your thoughts on the uh, on the mayor of Cincinnati, and what he had to say about the Bengals, Tracy? I had a problem with too much trash talking before this game, and I didn't want to say anything. Yeah, I me thought too. you know, people get on me. You're not a you're not a Bengal fan. I'm a Bengal. I'm a Joe Burrow fan. So all the trash talking, the smoking cigars, I didn't like that. But I wasn't going to say anything. So when it happened, it just gives that the other team that incentive, right? And, and you think it doesn't, but it really does. And you heard it with Kelsey when he slammed the, the mayor on him a jabroni, which he is. Um, so yeah, that I didn't like, and that's so much different than in baseball because we never talk trash in baseball. I played with a guy by the name of Paul O'Neill, had a pretty good career, didn't he, with the Reds and the Yankees. Paul never took down an opposing team, an opposing player. Uh, Tom, Paul O'Neill was probably the most, he was a superstar, but a low-keyed superstar. And he would go like Rick Mailer, there's an example. Rick Mailer pitched for the Braves. And Paul, the time in Atlanta, I think he went four for five and hit two home runs. So Paul's playing in Cincinnati. He's facing Rick Mailer. And I says, oh, boy, you're going to have a big game against him. I said, Paul, you owned him. He says, I, Trace, he's got a really good curveball. I was lucky. Because you don't talk trash, right? You play it down. Watch this example. If you don't like a player, like let's, let's slam on Senzel the whole year on this show and we'll see what happens. You ever hear like an announcer, he's never missed a field goal all year. What happens? He misses a field goal. It's a weird thing. It's a superstition thing that I have. And I think it played out with the Bengal game because I think the Bengals were better than the Chiefs. Yeah, it was a tough day for the town here. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 you know, um, I, I'm kind of curious, you know, Tracy, when you, when you, you play with guys, baseball season's very, very long. 
Uh, you're yeah. there every single day and playing games and competing with guys. And look, uh, you know, it's no different than the work environment down the street here in Hamilton. There are some guys you like more than other guys. And there are some guys you just don't like at all. But when you know that guys are, are, are coming up on free agency and you're starting to wonder, hey, you know, if this guy in baseball, this wasn't an issue because you didn't have a salary cap. But I'm just kind of curious, right. you know. Uh, you might have a guy that you know is going to be a free agent. You know they're going to have to spend a ton of money on him. If they do that, then it might mean you and two other guys got to leave. Are guys looking around even as you're not competing on the field in an AFC championship game, but during the week in the locker room or during the week in a baseball season, and you're getting down into August and September, and, and whether your team's in the hunt or not in the hunt, and maybe that'll vary the answer here. But, but are players thinking about the business side even while they're still playing? Not in the game, you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I think you're looking around maybe toward the end of the season if your team is in the playoffs, say, hey, who's going to be back next year? And, and I think with the Bengals, and maybe this is overstepping a little bit, but I, Joe Burrow, to me, is my favorite athlete ever in the city of Cincinnati. I mean, I, I love the guy. I think he's so cool and so damn good. If he had a decent offensive line, do you ever notice that game? I mean, Joe Burrow's scrambling around. Where Mahomes is stepping in the pocket, he's got a clean pocket. It's just such a difference. You give Joe Burrow time, he never misses. And I mean never misses. He's that good. But he might be the first player to get a half a billion dollar contract. I could see him getting $50 million a year for 10 years. That would certainly, you know, that's a contract. Think about what the pervert in Cleveland got. Uh, 235 guaranteed for five years. So I, I think Joe Burrow is a guy that you got to sign. You can find, Chase is great, but you can find re wide receivers. You can find running backs. You can't find a quarterback like Joe Burrow. You just can't. They're not out there. He's too good. Well, he is too good. Uh, there, there's been a lot talked about and written about. You know, I asked Doc about the whole hometown discount thing. I'm curious your oh, no. opinion on that. You know, now some people no, no, feel no. like you're a longtime, your longtime teammate coming up through the Reds minor league system, Hall of Famer, one of the top four players in the history of the Reds franchise, without a doubt, Barry Larkin. Uh, that he took a hometown discount to stay here with the Reds when Carl Linder still owned the team. Well, what are your thoughts about a, a quote-unquote hometown discount? You know, that was, people will argue that that was a mistake, a mistake signing Barry Larkin. Tom, I was at the game that Barry Larkin was making his last game, yep. last at you remember this, Tom? Uh, I was doing the game. I was doing the game for Fox and all yeah. the banners hanging in the stands and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yes. And there was a standing ovation for Barry. And people were saying, thank you. Not, we need to sign him. And Carl Lindner was at the game. And I remember Carl Lindner standing up, clapping, and he thought to, to himself, I got to sign this guy because that's what the fans want. And I don't think that was one of the best signings, signing Barry Larkin at his age to that kind of a contract. So that's what happened. He kind of he kind of got involved. Carl Linder was thinking so much emotion instead of the business. And I think it kind of backfired him on that. And Tom, you were there. That's what happened. Right? There, there's no doubt that's what happened. Uh but but uh, okay, but then, then then maybe that was a bad example of Larkin. What what about a player in a hometown discount? I mean, at the end of the day, 
Does the money talk and the BS walk, or do you think there are guys out there that say, you know what, when you're talking this kind of money, and I don't know, I'll never make this kind of money. Um, Do you think there are guys out there that say, hey, um, it's really important to me, and let's just use Burrow in this case, uh, it's really Mm -hmm. important to me to make sure that Chase is around here, that Higgins is around here, that fill in the blank is able to, to be around here, to give us a chance to win, therefore I take less. You say what to that? Okay, that's kind of like a Ken Griffey Jr. contract, right? And what they do is they defer that money, not taking less money, but deferring money. And I think that's something that Joe Burrow might want because, you know, those wide receivers are pretty top-notch. But it is a business, Tom. But here's something that nobody talks about. Do you feel comfortable playing in that stadium? Do you feel comfortable playing in Cincinnati? Do you want to go someplace or some other city and start all over again? You see so many players, they go somewhere, baseball all the time, you go somewhere and you're not the same. Yep. You know, it's kind of like Juan Soto with the Padres. I mean, Juan Soto was was God in Washington with the Washington Nationals. He goes over to San Diego. He did not perform like he, he did in Washington. You, you aren't given that break, that second chance, uh, as you are when you're 10 years into your career and you've played in the same same town. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to be said, too, for the whole cost of living thing. I mean, Tim McGee and I got into this a little bit yesterday. You know, I look at a guy like Jose Ramirez. I mean, what kind of money could that guy have made on the open market, right? He's, he's become a star in Cleveland. He clearly likes being in Cleveland. He's playing right. for a manager that he very much likes in Cleveland that isn't going anywhere, and Terry Francona. They don't spend much money. And he could have gotten, Lord knows, probably eight, ten, twelve, fifteen million dollars more per year, and decided, you know what, I like it here. I don't want to go down and fight traffic, getting to the ballpark at, at Dodger Stadium, and trying so to true. get in there. Can you imagine? So and, and I often try to explain this to people when they'll ask me about, you know, what's your favorite ballpark, and I get asked that question all the time. A lot of it has to do with the things you're talking about right now. If you flew me in in a helicopter and dropped me off at Dodger Stadium and I could take the helicopter out after the game, it's the greatest place in the world. But it's got a parking lot that has like 20-something thousand spaces around the lot. And to try to get out of there, if you're a player after a game, I can't imagine how much time you're spending in your life in a car. See, we talk about stuff on this show that no one else is talking about. You know, that is such a great point. Do do I want to go and let's say I live in uh, Pacific Palisades and if there was no traffic, what is that, t- 10 minutes away, mm-hmm. but you could be stuck in, in traffic for an hour and a half. I mean, you have six to seven lanes of freeway on each side. Who wants that? I mean, you want it easy. I thought coming and playing in Cincinnati of all the places that I played, was the easiest. I thought the media was easy. I thought getting to the ballpark was easy. I thought it was a good hitter's park because it was turf. I like playing on turf. There's a lot that goes into it. Why would you disrupt something that you've had a lot of success just for a few more million, you know, a couple million more? It does. I mean, you've got FU money already. Yeah. I'll tell you the number one key on this as far as going to another place, and that's your wife. 
because it goes like Carson Palmer. Remember when she came here? She says, well, I'm not going to stay here in the wintertime. I'm going back to Los Angeles. So your wife plays into that too. I hate, you know, it's very important what your wife thinks. And is she having a good time? You know, I've always found it fascinating, uh, even though there are still guys like you, Chris Sabo, Paul O'Neill, uh, guys from that, you know, sort of uh, time frame where you guys all came up together, uh, that there are a lot of you that made your uh, year-round homes here in Cincinnati. You might have gone somewhere for a little while, but you drifted back. Um, but the football players, almost all of them seem to want to stay here. I mean, whether you're talking about Munoz or Montoya or Joe Walter or Chris Collinsworth or, you know, whoever it is, it seems like so many of these guys, the football players, love being here. And I think a big part of that, Tracy, tell me if you think I'm wrong here. I think a big part of that is because of when they played their season. So if you're a football player, if you don't want to be away from your family for four or five months, you got kids. Okay, well, if you want to live in Miami, that's fine. But your kids are going to school in Miami while you're playing football in Cincinnati. So you're never really right. home. I think for the football players who start to get married and start to have kids, their season is starting when school is starting. So their family almost has to really give this place a chance. And I think most people feel like if you give this town a chance, and Tim McGee talks about this all the time, that you're going to find, case in point, that your wife's probably going to like it here and your kids are going to like it here and you're going to like it here. I, I cannot tell you guys how much traveling I've done lately, right? Going to Los Angeles, staying at a beachfront, right? Acting like Mr. B Big Shot. And you guys understand I'm doing a lot of tongue-in-cheek when I do yeah, that stuff. But there's some pretty nice places, Tom. You know what I look forward to? Coming back to Cincinnati. I, I can't believe I'm actually saying this. But yes, I love Cincinnati because it's easy. It's so, so easy. It's inexpensive. I'm not reaching into my pocket. I don't know how people in California, we always talk about California. I don't know how you get ahead. It, it's an easy place. I think it's a safe place. I mean, do you know what it's like, Tom, to sit on my balcony, look over the city at the ham and eggers, have my gray goose and bubbly. I mean, it's a pretty good lifestyle. And even my wife, and she didn't want to, she was in California for two weeks with her sister building that monstrosity. I'll have to show you pictures here in a month but she was happy to get back to cincinnati because it is such a nice place and it's a nice place my kid lives two blocks over from me i see my kid four to five times a week if you're living in california you can't have that situation no, you can't you can't and people don't you're looking at unless your... you've been out there and spent any time there you, you you don't understand what that's like i used to say all the time my sisters ray most of her kids in the suburbs in chicago and I mean, you know, her kids were basketball players. My kids were athletes. Your kids were athletes. Um, you know, w w when they would go play a baseball game in the summer, um, case in point to what you, you said a minute ago, Dodger Stadium, Pacific Palisades, you know, the, the ballpark might be eight miles down the road, but it takes her 50 minutes to get there. Here in Cincinnati, my kids are playing in a lacrosse game eight miles down the road. It takes me nine minutes to get there. Well, here's the thing in California, and again, we're talking about California, people can get the visual. I'm looking at my clock going, I got to get out of here, it's 1.30. I can't, if I wait another half hour, I'm going to be stuck in traffic. Do I want to spend my life, and I could live anywhere in the country I want, anywhere, but I choose Cincinnati. But do you want to sit there in traffic an hour each way? And that happens for a lot of people 
every single day. You, it, what about health? You know, I'm always talking about health. Is that healthy for you to spend time in tra traffic, six lanes going both ways? It's just miserable. When I was a kid, it was a great place. Now it's a miserable place to live. Uh, Paul Frischner, uh, uh, Tracy, Paul and I are the only two. Now, Brandon Sahal came back today, but Trace, Casey, Sean, Reed, all those guys left to go to Kansas City for the game. And then they decided, you know what? The University of Kansas is about, you know, 30-minute ride down the road right across the border. We're going to stick around Saturday night, Sunday night. Monday night, tonight, go to the Kansas State-Kansas game. Then come back uh, sometime tomorrow. They said to us, hey, yeah. Paul, Tom, go get them. Yeah, well, this is, they're living the life of Riley. It must be nice, but this is the generation we have. Live for today. You know what, boys? It will rain. And because you guys keep <laughs> spinning, I bet you got nothing in the bank. And first of all, how, how dare, how dare Casey miss the show because it's snowing? He, we had a guy, Seg Dennison, at WLW that didn't drive in the snow. And that's exactly, people don't know this, it's a little secret, Casey will not drive in the snow, so he stayed home today. Is that right, Tom? No, he's in Lawrence, Kansas. They're, they uh, hung out going to the, the, the Bengals game Sunday. Now, Seho made the trip back. He's here with us. So the Ham and Eggers are represented today by your good, Paul, Paul, your good friend, Paul Fritchner, and Brandon say, oh, fellas, anything you'd like to uh, to talk to Tracy about? Well, no, it's, it's just good. It's great to see you. It's great to see you, Casey. It's great to be here. You just call him Casey. Casey. Well, I got this delay in. I got to take these headphones off. I got this delay in my okay. ear. I can't even hear myself think. Tracy, well, I have it's a great question you. for you. Yeah, I have a question for you, boys. Since you made all the playoff games, Buffalo, Kansas City. So I guess you'll be heading to the Super Bowl, probably be on the 50-yard line. Hey, I've got a six-star hotel if you guys want to stay there in Arizona that I can recommend. You guys need any help? What and is then, it? Wait a minute. Yeah, what is the uh, name then, of that hotel? Because I have I lived in Arizona, as you know, for about 14 years. What, what hotel might that be? Tom, that's a secret. Are, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's a, that's a secret. I can't be telling it. If you guys want to go, maybe I'll, I'll make some moves. Hey, you know, the Kentucky Derby's coming up in May. Maybe you guys can sit in a suite with Bob Baffert. Do something like that. I mean, you He's guys banned. He's banned right now, right? Yeah, I think he's <laughs> banned for a while. I'm pretty sure that's right. I think the Kentucky Derby tickets go on sale tomorrow. I was looking at... Tracy, why don't you get us a suite for the old Chatterbox crew? You know what? I'm actually, some people from California, we're going to make a trip. That This isn't my idea because I can't stand people. But we're going to go down, and I think we're going to go to the infield. And I hear that's a little rowdy. Ooh, right. Oh, Flashing. Is that what happens, Tom? You know I, about I've, that, done so. the, I've done the infield twice. It's, it's a riot. You're going to have some Milwaukee's best in you, and there's no, no great use in the no, infield. Tracy's You're... not. No. Tracy, there's no way. There's no way that you are going in the infield of the Kentucky Derby. The only other infield I would say that would be a bigger stretch than that would be the Indy 500 infield. You're not going in there. I'm going to try to suck it up. We've got eight people coming, six from California, three other couples, and they really want to go to the Kentucky Derby. Danae's taking care of all the arrangements. It's just going to be a miserable time. It's just going to be a horrible time. People, Have you ever been, Tracy, your kind of crowd is more 
Keeneland. Have you been to Keeneland before when they run? You know, I think my kind of crowd is more Del Mar <laughs> down there oh. or, or Los Alamitos. <laughs> Los Alamitos, something like that. But yeah, I just, you know, I, I thought of you guys. I thought of the Ham and Eggers in Kansas City with all the people. And I thought zero degrees, right, with the windshield. What a miserable place. I mean, who would want to watch a football game and, and be that cold? Right. Brandon just did it. He it, was there. I was in Buffalo, too. It was electric. Uh, the ending wasn't, but I, I mean, I can't block for Joe Burrow, so that's not. What? Uh, yeah. I, I had no, a question. No, let me for tell you, you something. Okay, let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what I did. I had a 75 inch, I have a 75 inch TV, a 5D. Just one? And it is just really, really nice. You, I can zero in on, on things. Do you know Joe Burrow has a mole on his butt? You don't even notice that, but but my TV just blows up, and you can see the stuff that other people can't see. Sitting there watching the game on my 75-inch TV, having sushi and uh, vodka tonics. Nothing better than that. Brandon? I, I mean, I'd, I'd rather be out in the elements among the people, but we're, we're two different – Two different uh, types of people, it seems like, Tracy. Let, let's do this, too, with the show. I don't know if we're going to take calls. Tom, you were great yesterday on WLW. Use WLW as your sandbox. You know, work on taking calls, see how that goes. But I think we need to branch out and talk about other things. And when you talk about other things, you have a renaissance man. You have a, a Dr. Phil, a Stephen Hawking, a Warren Buffett, uh, Andrew Tate, uh, Jordan Stevenson. That's what you have in Tracy Jones. So we can talk about other things than sports. We can branch out. And I know, Tom, you like your politics, don't you? I do, Tracer. You know, I mean, I've, I, I like to read about it. You know, I mean, I at least like <laughs> to read about it. You know, I mean, I, I have way too many skeletons in the closet, so I myself could never go partake um, in, in running for an office. But, uh, I, I, you know, I, I like reading about it. Right? Yeah, I think you would be I think you would be great at politics because well, you know, Rob Portman the... was my neighbor for he still is my neighbor. He has been my neighbor for a long, long time. Uh, I have incredible respect for Rob Portman. Um, you know, there are things I disagreed with that that, that he um, you know, that he did there near the end and, 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 and every now and again I'll talk to him about it rarely. Um I think the guy cared very much about what was going on in our country. And I think there are a lot of people out there that care about this country. And it's just the avenue of, of figuring out what's the best way to get there. Well, I, I think send, sending $120 billion to Ukraine is not really worrying about this country. Why don't we worry about our border? Why don't we do that? Why don't we worry about making our cities safe? I mean, I won't go downtown. I like the city. I like Kentucky side, but I will not. I will not participate in that tomfoolery stuff down downtown Cincinnati. I won't. I do hear that. they got but some happening joints down there, Tracer. You know, downtown I mean, is great, I gotta Tracy. tell you, my it's wife fun. was down there with a bunch of girls this weekend. They had a surprise birthday party for my wife, uh, and they went down to some joints. They went down one of the places where uh, Zach Taylor gave the game ball. Blind pig. Blind pig. They went down to some place called. Tokyo Kitty, is that it? Oh, karaoke. Man. Karaoke. Yeah. Right? Great They spot. went down to, um, 
You know, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I, 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 look, I, I love going and hitting some joints yeah. just like anybody. <laughs> I don't think they went there. I'm quite sure that wasn't on the itinerary. But Tracer, there's some great joints down there. Yeah, but I, I like the Kentucky side. It's really safe. I mean, you start off with the Bellevue Vets and just kind of move it going west or whatever that direction is. I, I, I won't venture on across that bridge. I just, okay. I just won't do it. All right. I got to keep it safe. Do you have something to add, Brandon? Well, I just had a question. You wanted to combine sports and politics or sports and other topics. Yes. So what's a better chance of happening, Cincinnati's mayor getting reelected or the Reds winning a postseason series in the next five years? Man, Reds got an uphill battle, don't they, Tom? I mean, a real uphill battle. And that Tracer, mayor needs to know. Tracer, uh, listen, help me here. Help me here. First answer Brandon's question, and then I'm going to follow up with something before you let you, I let you go. I think the Reds have a better chance in the next five years. Ooh. Five years is a long time. You can get then some, who? you know, by finishing last place, Half you can get some good draft Oh, okay. You think the Reds have a better chance than he does in, 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 in a major urban city getting reelected with a D next to his name? You think the Reds yeah. have a better chance to win the World Series than he does? No, no playoff series, a playoff series. Oh, playoff series. Yeah, okay. I'm not a big fan of the mayor. I mean, he's more of an FC Cincinnati type fan than a baseball football guy, if you know That's what I mean. Fair. That's just probably kinda, fair. Yeah. All right, all right. So, but, but, but here's a question, Tracer, I threw out to the audience, and, and you came back and you had a suggestion about taking phone calls, which I agree with you. I think at the end of the day, that's the most important yeah. thing we can do around here. Because then we can talk to, to people about what they want to talk about, yeah. not just what right. we want to talk about, right? Whatever it is. To, you talk about grooming habits. Hell, I don't care. Right. Um, right. But, <laughs> but Tracer, I mean, do you think that there are people that are going to be tuned into this program and we're trying to grow our audience? And you're a baseball guy, so maybe you're not the right guy to ask. But you're able to take two steps back and, and look at things, big picture. I mean, are we supposed to come in here every day when the Reds start out 2-17 no. and talk about their games every no. day? Tom, I'll tell you what, and, and I really like Chatterbox, and I like the setup. I like all the Ham and Egger guys, and I – You've got a good product there. But if you think you're going to break down the Cincinnati Reds and have a successful show, uh, you're mistaken. I think you got to branch off. You know, when I talked, I did extra innings. My thing was I never talked about baseball. I mean, things that are important. The FQI. Is there anything more important than the fan quality index? Yeah, or, or this. How about this idea? People should sit and watch the game according to zip code. Now, I'm going to feel a lot more comfortable sitting with people from Indian Hill or Bellevue than someone from Norwood or East Price Hill or, or Terrace Park. That's a topic we're going to have to get into next uh, on Thursday. We're going to get into that idea. Because uh, There's a lot know, of Tracy, truth. You're the one that brought it up already. They already have something like that where they could take it to the next level with this ticket fencing kind of thing, right? Of being able to get a ticket yes. if you're for out of town. Yes. You brought that up before. Right. That up. Right. Yeah. There's right. a lot of truth to it. You, you, want to feel pe you want to be with people that you feel comfortable with, right? I, I wouldn't feel – like if I went to the Reds game at Riverfront, I wouldn't want to be sitting with people in the red seats, right? We have nothing in common. What do we have in common? Nothing. Tracy, Tracy, actually, I got a question for you. I got a question for you, yeah. Tracy. This is a serious question. Go ahead. 
Okay. A serious question on this topic. I don't like serious questions. Go ahead. I have never sat in the diamond seats at Great American Ballpark. I've been talking about it for a long time. Oh, this is a perfect year to do it. I've been talking about it for a long time, and I've been waiting and waiting and waiting until I could buy a seat for like maybe 150 bucks, something like that. I don't know. I know some people that have seats down there, but they're always taken or they're corporate or whatever. What are the chances that you and me and maybe a couple other of these chatterbox guys can end up in a diamond seats at a Reds game this year? Zero chance. Listen, you poor bastards. Save your money. Quit traveling around the country spending money. It's called saving, right? And you might be able, I think the regular price, Tom, is $275. I think you could probably get a diamond seat for $125. But, Paulie, you've got to save your money. There's an interesting concept, right? Save for what you want later on, a goal, instead of just, you know, spending recklessly traveling the country, going to strip bars. Yeah. And watching sports. But see, right. Tracy, in summation, his debt ceiling just changed. So now he's <laughs> yeah. talking about diamond club seats. Yeah. yeah. All right, Tracer. Just put it on the credit card. That's exactly right. <laughs> Run it up. Run it up. Debt ceiling. <laughs> Tracer, have Thanks, a good Tracy. day, my man. All right, boys. I'll see you All on right. Thursday. Tracy Jones, he'll be back with us Thursday. Best 30 minutes of television. Right here, twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 11.30. Do we have a cherry on top today? We do. All right. So we're gonna, I'm going to try and play this here. Presented by United Dairy Farm. Hold on. Let's, here let's, we go. Let's do it. All right. So this comes to us courtesy of the Eagles. Uh, the band? Not the band. Oh, well, that's the real Eagles. But go ahead. You're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles? The Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles. All right. Go ahead. I'm going to. See if I can't play this. This is Nick Sirianni with yep. his kids. Nice. In the post-game press conference. Love this. Um, you know, each game's a little bit different, but it was his great daughter. to set the tone there um, and get the lead, right? And get the lead and, and put them behind. Taylor, stop it. Taylor, stop it. Um. <laughs> Why did he tell her to stop it? I don't know. I mean, she was basically saying blah, 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 blah. Right? Is that the impression you got? Yeah, we've heard this one before. Yeah, Dad. we've Come heard on. this one before. That's great stuff. I love when the kids get up there like that. It's so much fun. It makes these guys real human beings. I mean, you know, it does. It personalizes them to the fan base, most of which will never meet the guy or certainly see him in a, in a, in a familial situation. So good for him. Do you remember, do you remember Steph Curry's daughter from like, seven yeah. eight years she's grown up now yeah they showed a picture of her at a game like they showed her you know with with her mom at with aisha at a game she's huge now i did time flies and she was doing the same thing with steph like eight years ago yep yep i mean it, it just it's so good when these guys have a chance to do that and i would highly recommend that any of them when they get could be a red after some random game in july a post-game press conference they have a good game Kid and wife is waiting in the hallway for him outside the clubhouse after the game, which they do. Bring the kid up there with him. Do the press conference. People like you more. All right, boys. We survived another day. We did it, Tom. Is survived it us three tomorrow? Now, yeah. now see, in, in summation, the thing that, that, that concerns me here is, okay, you look at our chat today. We're talking about Tracy with a lot of different things, right? Hometown discounts. We're talking with Tracy about... All kinds of different things. Politics. It stayed in totally on the Bengals. The chat. Well, it, Everybody going back and forth about the it's Bengals. It's not even 48 hours post-mortem. Body's still, body's still warm. Okay. <laughs> Paul, thank you. Great job. Brandon, thank you. Welcome yep. back. Great Thanks. job. We'll see you here tomorrow. 10A off the bench. Presented by United Dairy Farmers. Thanks for being with us. Have a great day.